0: Hi there and welcome along to episode 109 of the Jersnet weekly podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast that is made by the fans for the fans where the content is always 100% free. As we say every week, guys, it's not just the podcast that we have that's free. There's also the website over at www.jersnet.co.uk where there's all sorts of articles, match previews. Uh, we have a, a very active discussion forum. So please do head over to the website if you've not done so already and get involved. The podcast is uh, going out live tonight. It's Sunday evening. It's 9.30. Um, but as always, the pod will be available for download from Monday morning. Uh, and that's on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and even on Spotify. Uh, if it's your first time joining us on the show, then a very, very warm welcome to you and what a show you have picked. Uh, it's been a hell of a weekend for Rangers and we're we're absolutely buzzing to get going tonight. Um, if it is your first time, then please do hit like and subscribe and that podcast will drop into your feed every week and you will never miss a thing. Uh, like I say, it's been a, an incredible weekend for Rangers fans and we're pretty much going to spend all of the show today discussing uh, the, the win over Celtic yesterday. Um, which was an incredibly casual, easy affair in which uh, the club never really got out of second gear and never had to, but I can promise you that we will get out of second gear because we've got some first-rate guests this evening. Uh, first of all, it's my uh, fellow co-host, David Wren. David, good evening. How are you?
1: Hello. Um, I feel quite under pressure here because, obviously, I'm, I'm the first guest voice on this uh, this fantastic edition of the Gelsnet podcast. But, yes, I think like every other Rangers fan, it's been a... Fantastic um, weekend! I loved yesterday's game, and even though I was working today, it made no no difference. I, I bought, I think, um, three or four Sunday newspapers just to bask in the glory this morning um, and read some of the some of the columns and some of the reports and have a good laugh. So no, it's been great and um, delighted actually to be on tonight uh, to get to um, have a chat with this game because. I think there's been there's been a few disappointing ones uh, over the past year that we've had to dissect so to come on and speak with us uh, yeah delighted
0: and I, I know the feeling of of doing one of these shows after an old firm defeat I think my my record at the moment is three losses and no wins to then come on and host a show so I'm sort of breaking breaking my own personal duck tonight and it's uh, it's certainly a nicer feeling also with us this evening is Ian Duff Ian tell me how do they celebrate an old farm win in in the darkest English countryside
2: well obviously they celebrate it why wouldn't they I mean it's a uh, matter a matter of national celebration really uh, but yeah down here yeah it's been you know it doesn't as usual doesn't touch uh, much on the on the locals but uh, but I've been doing my best to uh, to, to celebrate on my own anyway but I mean, you're saying you're saying that you've had uh, a poor record on this. I've, I'm on my, uh, I've got a hundred percent record so far. I think I was on after the the last game at New Year. So, uh, so so far so good.
0: Right, David's getting a recurring slot on the show. Excellent. I uh, sorry, not David. Ian. I'm I, I, honestly still a wee bit pissed after yesterday. So apologies for that. Um, right. Like I say, we, normally we'd sort of split the show up into three chunks and. Uh, and we have a few different topics, but there's so much to talk about from yesterday's game that I think we're just going to fire straight in. Um, one of the most comfortable wins over Celtic that I've seen in a very, very long time, me and David were chatting off air about trying to remember when we were last feeling so comfortable about an old-term victory, um, and we're thinking it's at least 10, maybe 15 years. Um, so 2-0, we've now won back-to-back league games at, uh, uh, over at their place for the first time since 1995. Um, and quite frankly, the boys strutted off the pitch without even having a sweat on. David, we'll sort of go back to the pre-match stuff. And, and when the lineup came out, what we saw was that David and Kamara were in, and that Ryan Jack was on the bench. And then the bigger surprise for me was that Yanis Hadji, was, who's been involved in a staggering number of goals for Rangers this season so far, was was on the bench uh, with Brandon Barker taking his place. Was that the lineup that you expected, or was that a wee bit of a shock for you? Sort
1: of did expect it because I'd been sort of thinking about it through the week, and there'd been a few things that I'd, I'd seen, um, you know, and watched, and thinking about the way that Celtic played and um, how we were going to approach the game. But I think the Barker selection was down to the pace that he's got and the idea that he could maybe cause a few problems for you know the Celtic defense, especially on the left hand side, where obviously the guy face him and ended up starting, but that's that's but been a position I think for them this season, it's been, it's been a, an issue, so I wasn't overly surprised to see Barker start, I think Gerard has a lot of faith in him um, I hate, I, I would hate to be negative on, on this show of all shows, but um, I don't know where that that belief comes from, from the manager I, I've certainly not seen enough um, and I'm not going to, you know I, I want the guy to do well, I, I, I Wish for nothing more for him, you know, to to do well for us in that position. But for me, it was, you know, it, it's not working at the moment. I think Jones has made more of an impact than he's played. But in saying that, I think the midfield three was was the right option for me because they have been, you know, excellent. Those three uh, Galatasaray game obviously was a was a fantastic result and performance from the Angels that day, and I think they they earned the start. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, Ryan Jack would come straight back in. And Ryan Jack's a fantastic player and for him to stay on the bench just shows how uh, how well the three were playing. So, yeah, no, I was, I was pretty confident when the team came out and, um, yeah, I think everyone pretty much stood up and was counted. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to the ones that perhaps weren't quite so good, but certainly, I mean, the midfield three were, were unbelievable. Um, the work rate of Kamara and Harfield was just phenomenal. And I think, you know, they, they will be, Hard to push out that team for big games this season because they have just been outstanding.
0: Now, Ian, the other thing about the uh, the squad that was picked for the game that caught my eye was the strength that we had on the bench, um, and that was the first time for a long time that I've I've looked at the bench and really thought that we've got game changers there. We've got strong players there who maybe a year or two ago would be would be first pick starting eleven. How much? Comfort and confidence does that give you going into an old firm game that you have options on the bench and you have strength on the bench that you can rely on.
2: Well, I mean that's definitely it. I mean, you know, you, you know, I think probably a lot of us were maybe not surprised, but uh, disappointed that Barker was starting. But if you look at it the other way, if things aren't going well, I mean, obviously Gerard had a game plan for it and had had a reason for having him picked. Um, if things weren't going as well as he'd hoped, then I would rather Barker went off and somebody came on that was going to be able to change the game. So so you could see maybe that there's, there's some logic to that as well. But overall, you know, the, the bench, as you say, it's the strongest bench I've seen for a while. And we're still two to three players, well, at least three players to add to that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the the team sort of... Develops over the the next couple of months because there's, you know, you look at that starting eleven, which you would probably say maybe Barker aside is the strongest starting eleven available at the time based on recent performances. But there's four or five players that you would say would almost certainly be pushing to to be starting in that uh, starting eleven. You know, you know, where, where's Jack going to fit into that if you if you look at those uh, three central midfielders? Um, but yet could you realistically say he shouldn't be starting? And you know that's that's a, a great thing. You know that we've been in we haven't been in that position for for a long time. Um, so yeah, great to have uh, strength and depth. I mean that's that's really what we've been missing um, for the last well for a long time. But but last season it was perhaps what let us down uh, at times. I when we had a wee spate of injuries at the start of this season, there was there was. Times where we thought, well, you know, have we got the strength and depth that we need? But now that everyone's more or less back to full fitness, then you know, we're we're, we're almost there as a as a squad. So all, all to do now with them, all these new players or players on the fringes starting to, to gel together and, and they're starting to look like they they are doing that.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 a real relief and it's a real change. I think it speaks value or it speaks volumes of the the work that's been done by the recruitment team as well to bring in high quality and high caliber. And and, and as you see, Ian, Ryan Jack is is a hell of an option. And can you really say that he doesn't deserve to start that game? But it's going to be exacerbated, and we'll come on to talk about it a wee bit more in a moment. But he's 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 not the only person who's going to be fighting for that midfield berth. You know, we've, we've gone out and spent money on Bengani Zungu as well to come in and. Uh, Gerard says you know he he'll, he'll be ready to go in a couple of weeks so there's there's going to be even more competition for places and, and that's Absolutely. something that we're seeing across the park you know there's there's four good center half options there's plenty of good center midfield options there's um possibly more options up front in the striker position than we would have anticipated halfway through the transfer window so there's uh, there's competition and, and that's surely what you need to win a title.
2: Because we're not going to go through the whole season, you know, especially this season, you know, almost certainly we're going to be hit with players getting ill, um, you would imagine. Um, there's going to be injuries, suspensions, you know, we need a bigger squad and that, you know, the fact that these guys are there and when they come in, hopefully they're going to bring quality rather than just be uh, sort of squad players, then, you know, that's that's a real positive
0: now, David, we'll sort of, I think we better talk through some of the, the talking points of the game. And the first goal for me has been the best example of Celtic FC's always cheated, never defeated mantra. Um, the first things first, Ryan Kent gets brought down and, and uh, a free kick is given from which we capitalise. Uh, the, the, the narrative that we're seeing a wee bit off at the moment is that it was a soft free kick and it shouldn't have been given. There wasn't any contact and Ryan Kent dived. What's your, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Free uh, Free kick. Easy phone
0: enough, phone. excellent. Yeah. Um, the, the next thing that we're seeing is that this wasn't a good goal from Rangers, you know, it was a, a mediocre ball in and it was a mistake from Shane Duffy. So, what's what's your take on that? Great goal, there we go, excellent, easy. Um, it's going then, talk us through talk no, us I, through the goal and the movement and 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 how that's all worked.
1: I don't know if anyone else did this, this may have just been me, but when the goal went in, I was convinced it was offside, so my celebrations were so subdued. Um, when he scored the goal, but then I mean, Goldson's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, apart other than the mistake that he made against Hibbs this season, he's, he's taken his game, you know, to another level. And I don't know, I, I mean, he's always been a big lad, but I, I feel like this season he just looks like an absolute unit and a real, real threat in the box. And he showed that again yesterday. I mean, he was, he was, he was excellent. He was a fantastic, I mean, there. It's just been, again, another one that's just been unbelievable this season when you look at his his play. I mean, I watched, um, I don't know if anyone else follows the, the Rangers archives on, on Facebook, but they put up a video of all the of games, a compilation of all the league games this season. And me has just been, I me mean, forget actually how the impact he's had. And, you know, it's not just assists, it's goals as well. And yesterday, you know, an incredible ball in the box, really. Um and Goldson just out for everyone to it, stayed on side brilliantly. Um and put it away, you know. Don't get me wrong, once I saw it again, maybe the goalie flapped it a wee bit. But I mean, it was a powerful header at goal and yeah, really, really good. Really, really good to see his um scoring goals from set pieces because it's been maybe something we've not done quite enough of in the past couple of years. Um, but now we look at Eagle Threat, and I think we've scored a fair amount of goals uh, from set, piece, set pieces this season. This season sorry. Um, so, yeah, no, it was a great goal, really, really good start as well, you know, to get the goal so early on. Um, and yeah, delighted, really, 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 really pleased that, that we're getting, you know, making opportunities for ourselves from set pieces.
2: I thought the ball in from Tavernier was as good as you can get. I mean, it was right exactly where it needed to be. You know, you see that the angle from from behind the goal was sort a of low down angle and it, it just sort of curves in from, from there. And it's, you know, you couldn't have asked for it to be in a, a better position. It was absolutely inch perfect. And the, the, the thing I liked about the goal was the way that Goldson had basically worked his way. You know, he stood in an offside position pretty clearly, quite deliberately. And when he's standing there, he's sort of forcing... The Celtic defenders to make a decision: Do they just leave him there in the hope that he's offside, and then run the risk that he comes back onside and he, he gets a free header, or do they have to run back to cover him because you know he, he's standing there and he's free and he's potentially um, going to get you know get the goal or get a, get a, head, a free header? So he forced them into making that decision, and they kind of felt as probably as planned they fell between the two. So one guy runs back and. And plays him onside, and uh, and he moves back into a, a, an, off- an onside position anyway, and no one goes to mark him, so he, get, he more or less gets a free header on it. And you know, I think it was quite deliberate. I don't think it was, I don't think you could say that was a necessary. Well, you know, as all goals are, you know, there's always an element of mistake from the uh, the defenders, but the the way it was worked was quite deliberate, and you know, looked like something that was done in the, the training field. they you know planned it like that and you know yeah the goalkeeper made a hash of it but you know it it was a it was a good powerful header so he he may well not have saved it anyway so no I thought I thought it was a brilliant goal and you know really impressed as you say Tavernier's been superb this season and he's he's come back to where you know he was a few years ago he was he was a one-man band really in in terms of the attacking force for uh, for us and uh, he's come back to that level again and and Long may it continue.
0: Well, like you say, and it's 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 really nice to see us capitalising on set pieces, and and that's something that I don't really remember Rangers doing so much cool growing up. You know, I I always seem to get frustrated at the lack of how much we take our chances from set pieces, and that really does seem to have changed over the last couple of seasons. Um, I, I, and like you say, there's it wasn't a mistake that Conor Goldson was taking up the position that he was, and and that probably did work out. Perfectly, that that most of the defenders hold the line and try and play them offside, but one of them breaks and one of them loses their nerve. It's funny that it's one that they spent two million pounds and forty grand a week to loan for a season, um, and it's funny that it was a goalkeeper flapping at it that they've spent five million pounds on. So I, I, I quite enjoy those little factors as well, making an even better goal for me. Um, but this—it was no accident. It was no fluke. That's the the guy who stood there in an offside position as part of a design and, and, you know, the reports from and from how are that we have Tom Calshaw dreaming up these set pieces and these routines. And, and like you say, this is, this is the result of good coaching. This is not the result of Connor Goldson being lucky or even being lazy and not looking along the line. It was, it was entirely planned that way. And, um, and it really worked. One other thing that I'd like to say is that there was actually, there was some analysis on a uh, sports scene last night after the game, of how Rangers tried to try to use the kind of advanced channels on uh, mainly on the right-hand side. So where Ryan Kent was when he, when he was fouled and won that free kick time and time again, Rangers were sort of peppering balls into that area through balls, long balls to, to get Ryan Kent or get Brandon Barker running at the ball. Um, because they know that that getting Tavernier on the ball there and putting a dead ball in. That's, that's one of his real strengths. And, the kind of the game plan in that way, not just in the, the way that they set up and the tactics and the shape and the formation, but the the actual game plan for for live situations and scenarios within the game was so well thought out and executed so so well. Uh, I think that's actually why it made it look so easy was because of the preparation and the planning that had gone into it. Um, so then Ian, we'll come to you for the second goal. Now, to me, uh, we, I, I don't want to overplay it. But, It's a wee bit scrappy the way that the ball actually gets in the back of the net, but the build-up and the link-up play before that with Kamara, with Tavernier, with Arfield is is excellent. I think that goal for me actually summed up the entire game. You know, really nice play, really nice build-up, keeping the ball well, Uh, and then just wanting it more because, you know, this, this whole goal came about as the second phase of play from another set piece, which we get to first, and Kamara wins the ball really nicely. So we win that battle. Then the ball gets put in the box and uh, and Goldson has a goal and it gets blocked. But then he wins the second ball. So for me, it summed up the hunger and the determination of Rangers above Celtic to to win the second ball, to win the second phases of play, and it's paid off. How did you see the the second goal?
2: Yeah, well, I'm, absolutely. I mean, and, and the whole performance, like you say, was about being sharper and being quicker and nipping in and, and getting... Uh, loose balls and, and winning the the, the 50s That the, I mean, the, the the criticism that we've had this season or that we've, we've we've made this season in certain games has been we've been a bit too slow. Um, I think uh, just not you know not being sharp enough and not winning the the balls when the when they come into midfield. Um, that was completely the opposite of that. Uh, yesterday and uh, and that goal did sum it up because you know the, quite easily if the ball had uh, broken away from the the corner it could have gone up the other end of the park and the, the chances with uh, the chance would have gone or or we could have been on the back foot uh, but instead we won the ball back and some excellent interplay down the right the cross wasn't brilliant but it got to Goldson and he was unlucky with his first effort and. Um, again, sharp enough to be first to react and, and get the get the rebound in. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's exactly what we want. You know, that's what we want to see our midfielders winning the ball back, winning the ball when it comes out, breaks out of the penalty area or or when it, when there's a loose ball or or, uh, or whatever and, you know, get it back into that danger area. And that's exactly what they did. I'd just say how, how satisfying it was to see
1: that camera angle from behind the goal and, Golden slapped his foot just in between Duffy's legs and poked the ball home. That was that was just fantastic, really really great. Considering you know the first shot was a real strikers attempt at a finish, and then to get such a scrappy goal like that, oh, it was just it was just fantastic.
2: Just reminded me a wee bit of the uh, Morris Edu goal. Uh, I mean, a bit more dramatic, I suppose, in the last minute a few seasons ago, but it was similar where it was just a sheer determination to get it and force it over the line.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I just think for Goldson to be so confident in the six yard box, sorry, penalty box anyway, is just (laughs) what. Just incredible. And when we get two goals the way that did, you know, which were, you know, I think Morellas or, or Ruth or whoever would have been delayed to be two goals like that. So yeah, just a just a great it was just a great day. It really was.
0: Just a great day. Um well the, the thing is, David, it could have been even better. And I, I think the golfing quality yesterday was was quite plain to see and over the last five or six years, we've all sat and watched Rangers take a bit of a drubbing against Celtic. Um, and I've seen a, a little bit of discontent or criticism or, or, or dissatisfaction amongst our fan base that we could have had more, right? We could have really gone for it. Are you disappointed that it was only two when this was maybe a, an opportunity to really go for the jugular and, and cause some embarrassment?
1: Um, I, I see where you're coming from, but I think, you know, up until 80, 80 minutes, you know, it was still sort of, I think our players understand, you know, the way games have gone and years gone by. Um, and there's probably just an aspect of keeping things simple, keeping it, you know, ticking. What I would say is if that Kent chance had gone in, which was a fantastic chance and a fantastic, just again, a, 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 an amazing bit of play from Barisic and then Kent to, to catch on the volley. If that goes in, then then you know, you never know what could happen there. It could have been one of the crazy results like down down in England of late. Uh but yeah, listen, I was I was satisfied with 2 0. Um I was satisfied with the control we had in the game because I thought for the, for them to not get other than that Griffiths chance, for them not to really get anything in the second half or to even look like threatening us, people are saying that it was up to their, you know, down to their um, lack of idea like a sort of guile. I think it was down to the fact we were in complete control. Never lost that control from the first minute of the game. The only two times were slight lapses in con- concentration from Gold in the first half and then Holander just got caught in his heels um for the first time in what feels like you know about a year for Holander. Um and that was the only time a couple of individual uh, switch offs there. Other than that we were completely in control. And I, um, I mean, I couldn't be more happy with a 2-0 victory of that, you know, uh, and for it to be so straightforward. Um, Yeah, uh, you know, the scoreline's a scoreline, but anyone that watched that game, you know, you couldn't have have argued with a 4 out of a 5 now, I don't think.
0: Do you think that we created enough chances, though, David? I mean, both goals have come from set pieces, and and obviously that, that chance for Kent, around about the hour mark, which, you know, a foot or two either side of where he struck it was was flying in the back of the net and actually could have got lucky because it, it rebounded and only was about two or three inches away from bouncing off Morelos into the back of the net. But, but out with those, was there enough creativity? I thought Ryan Kent was, it was one of his quieter, old firm performances. I don't think Brandon Barker created a great deal. I think Tav and Barisic obviously were, were excellent, but, but out with that, you know, if it, if we hadn't of have, have done so well at the set pieces, do you think we could be coming away maybe feeling a little bit frustrated at the lack of opportunities that were created?
1: Possibly, but I think what I would say, and I don't again, I don't really want to be too negative, but you know, we're the front three, and the only one that was that was performing at a level was was Ryan Kent. And I know you're saying he's a, he had a quiet game, but <clears throat> how many times did he bring the ball forward, take on a man, you know, show a bit of courage? Uh, which he always shows, but, you know, he he had a quiet game, but I thought Morelos was quite poor, and I thought Barker was just sort of, you know, he just wasn't really there. It wasn't, the only t- <laughs> Yeah, actually, the only time he started looking like he was coming on to a game was when, just before he got taken off, so um, I thought Morelos' hold-up play, you know, see Parkhead, you, you need your centre forward to really bring the ball in, in course and bring others into play. I felt like there was a lot of flicks and tricks being attempted by Morellas in the first half especially that just didn't help us and that's a pet hate. I mean in football you know when um, the ball's going up to your striker and he's trying to flick it on to the winger and it's just I mean it's, it was never ever getting there. Um, so when you consider that you know out of our front three we only had Kent and as you say, the quiet game but I don't think we were magnificent yesterday. Certainly, the, wasn't the best we've played all season. But as I say, that control, and that was down to the midfield, especially Kamara and Arfield, who are everywhere. It felt um, Arfield's been. I mean, what a what a season he's had, you know, since coming in uh, against MD United. He has been our best player. Um, maybe maybe Tavernier would would argue uh, there, but I think Scott Arfield has been incredible. Um, and you know we we would major control in the game, and yeah, listen, would we have liked to have spanked and four now? Of course, but you know it's no, it was no surprise to score from two set pieces or, or at least one set piece, and then from you know sort of a second phase of a set piece. Uh, that was no surprise because we've been doing it all season. We've been getting goals from set pieces, and you know that was that's what we practice. As you guys spoke about earlier, you know that's what's practiced in the training ground, and. Um, no, I've I, I no no complaints about uh, the goals we scored or how many chances we created because I think, as I say, for anyone that watched that game yesterday, uh, there was only one team that was that was going to win it.
2: I would liken it to a European game, really. To be honest, I think that's the approach we've taken to it. Is we've played that game exactly the same way as we've played uh, away games in Europe, where we've we're not sitting back and you know defending. We're controlling, trying to control. The midfield and creating is what we can on on the break or uh, without sort of being gung ho and, and charging forward all the time. And as you, as you say, it's about the control. And you know, I haven't felt. I don't think I can remember not even not not even so much even just an old firm game, but in any game in the last couple of seasons where I've felt less concerned as the game progressed that we were going to. See the goal or, or or collapse in some way. I mean, there's been times against all sorts of teams that we've we've looked like that, and it, and it's happened. Uh, but I didn't see it at all yesterday, and I thought that was all about the control from the midfield and the uh, and you know the defense being strong. And 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 I think it may be being a wee bit harsh on on Morelos and uh, and to a lesser extent Barker, maybe because I think I think they're both there to do a particular job, and I think. Morelos, yeah, you would want him to be banging in goals maybe or, or or holding up perhaps a bit better. But I think if you analysed what he did in the first half in particular, I think he he did uh, spray it about. He held up the ball. There was a couple of occasions where he was involved in uh, breakaways and and. Passed it out to, to Tavernier on the right, or there was one particularly good ball out to Barisic on the left, which he, he swept across the pitch and it just the the move sort of broke down in the end. But I just think, you know, I, I would look at that game if you went away to play a game in the Europa League or uh, one of the qualifiers against one of the bigger teams or uh, in the group stages and you came away with a 2 0 victory where you looked like you weren't going to concede a goal, and you more or less controlled the game, I would you'd say that was a brilliant performance, and I, th- you know, I would liken it to that. I think that was the, the approach we're taking, and we've proved uh, over the last few seasons that that's where our strengths are, is, is, is playing, especially away, playing games like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really a really good point, and actually, it brings it on quite nicely to the next segment of the show where I want to talk about some individuals and some individual performances. And and I want to start with Glenn Kamara, Ian. Glenn Kamara, to me, has been an, an excellent signing and, of course, very, very good value for money. And he deserves a huge amount of praise for his performance yesterday, where I thought he was one of the standouts on the park. The, the coverage that he was given all of the back four, but, um, you know, in particular, the way that he kind of drifted out towards the fullbacks and covered them was um was very, very intelligent players as very as as well as very technically, you know, proficient. Um, but Glen Camara as well, I think, can tend towards poor performances domestically when he, you know, he gives the ball away, he makes silly mistakes, he loses possession quite cheaply. Um, but to me, he he seems to be a, a typical big game player. You know, he seems to do very, very well in Europe. Um and he's done very, very well again yesterday. What are your thoughts, Ian, on, on Kamara, on his performance yesterday, and and how he's progressing through his Rangers career this season? Well, I mean,
2: would we pay for him fifty grand? I mean, you know that that, that could end up looking like the the bargain of the century. You know that? I mean, I I, I think he's he's always, I think he's always got a good game in him, and he's not necessarily the player we want if we're trying to uh, break down uh stubborn teams um because that's not necessarily his, his game but in in these kind of scenarios he's an excellent uh midfielder um he's always maybe prone to making a couple of mistakes a game and I um, he may even have done so yesterday um one, one or two passes going astray but you know overall you know he's very intelligent can hold the ball up he's he's skillful you know he's he's not just a you know a player uh, you know you know passes it square or backwards or uh, and he's not just there as a sort of battering ram he's he's a very skillful player he's got a good turn he, he, there's been a couple of clips that i've seen today where he where you see him where he just leaves uh, two or three players for dead with a with a turn there's a nice little reverse pass he did and uh, uh, the first half, oh, you know, the second half it was uh, up on the, the left hand side, um, which was really nice. And uh, he's got, I think, probably, I think probably confidence is one of the things with these uh, uh, players uh, who have sort of come to us at a time where we've not been doing brilliantly, and maybe there's a lot of pressure on them. As time progresses, the you know if they get the confidence, then they, they can start performing the way that we would like to see them perform. And I think that's evident with uh, Kamara, and you know as he builds his confidence, he, he he's far more uh, capable and 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 shows more as well. You know he's he's not just going to be there doing the easy things. He's he's willing to to do more. So yeah, I mean. What a bargain! And, and you know, he's. He, I think Gerard really likes him, really rates him, and uh, I think he's probably likely to be a a, a regular, uh, despite the the other players that could be coming into the the midfield.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's a good chance though, that there'll be some significant transfer interest in in him come, you know, either come the winter winter window or or again in the summer because he he performs when the spotlight is on, you know, and he He just has a a real quality and a real hard work inside to him that's that's very very admirable um, The other person that I wanted to talk about david is uh we spoke earlier about Connor Goldson and the season he's having um and the improvements that he's making but I wanted to to ask what are your thoughts on on Philip Hollandander and maybe the impact that he's having alongside Connor Goldson? He seems to me to be a a very calming presence for goldson he he very rarely makes mistakes. And and maybe what he lacks in pace, he makes makes up for in footballing intelligence. He reads the game very very well. He knows when to take risks. Um, his distribution's okay as well. But he's he's ultimately he's a good old fashioned centre half. What are your thoughts on on Hollander's season so far?
1: I think he's been excellent. And you know it was it was quite interesting to start of the season because when Balogun started in the Aberdeen game, I think there was a real question mark over um, who would. Who would play alongside Golden? Because obviously the Catterick injury, it was it was up for debate really. Um, but hollander has been really really outstanding in many games this season. And I think you know yesterday again I mentioned the earlier one one slight slip up when he let Griffiths in, but other than that, I mean he seldom makes a mistake, as you say. And I just think that's a, that's an excellent partnership, and for me. There's no question that that's got to be the partnership um, for the rest of the season. I think we might see a bit more rotation this this year uh, compared to last season because you know the same players seem to be playing all the time uh, when they were available. But I think, think Balogun might come in some of the league games, but I would be very, very surprised if, if we don't see Hollander in, in most, if not all, of the group stages barring suspension and injury uh, matches because I think Gerrard trusts them. Um I think, you know, him and Goldson got a good understanding there. And he, he's he's master reliable, you know, he's he's um he managed to keep Falcao quiet, you know, at iBooks a, a few weeks ago and um, you know, really stood up to that task very well. Uh, and then yesterday I just felt like, you know, he had that good tackle in the first half, basically goal saving tackle almost um, in the first half and Yeah, he strolled it, he strolled it, and it's been great to see, because I think he was unlucky last season that he came in, did okay, got injured, and then obviously the season was cut short, and I think there was still question marks over exactly what what he was like, and, and what his sort of future would be like at Rangers, even in the summer, and then when Balligan came in as well, but he's come back in, and... You know, he's cemented his place in the team just through consistent. You know, he's exactly what you want from a centre half. I mean, you look at the way Celtic's centre halves played yesterday, um, Goldson and Hollander, for me, would walk into their team at the moment. Um, I think certainly, I, I would say that Goldson, especially, you know, easily probably the best centre half in the league on current form. I think he's outstanding. And I think Hollander's just helping them uh, to maintain those
0: standards. Well, I think arguably we've got the best back four in the league. You know, I, I think Tavernier and Barasic are, are certainly the best full backs. And, and I would agree that Hollander and Goldson are, are so composed at the moment. And uh, and you just have to look at what they were up against yesterday. Their counterparts in in the back three for Celtic with Duffy, who I thought was dreadful. And, you know, the young lad who uh, I was amazed that they threw him in. And, and obviously, David, we were talking off air about how their shape and playing three-five-two was more important than, than putting their best players on the pitch. And, and I think they, they suffered for that. But I'd argue that we have the best back four in the league, you know, in, in every single one of those positions. And, and that's probably been the bedrock of the success that we're having this season because it's, you know, it's now 11 competitive league games done and something like what, four goals conceded it's it's quite remarkable and obviously behind that you've got two very, very strong, very capable goalkeepers um, who are challenging each other and forcing each other to get better and better and earn that jersey. So um, it's it's the first time for a very, very long time and we've mentioned it a couple of times this season, it's the first time for a long time that we can feel real security at the back and not worry about You know, there's always going to be a a bomb scare, not a bomb scare, but there's always going to be an error or or a howler in in a defender. That's sort of the nature of the job, and and that's the reason they're playing Scottish football rather than English or Spanish or Italian. But it feels like that error, that mistake, that howler is once or twice a season rather than once or twice a month, which is where we've certainly been in the last three or four years.
2: Once or twice a game in some cases. (laughs) It was. But I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. But and what's you know, if you add to the, the four we've got there, you know the the two uh, or three I suppose uh, center halves that we've got in, in reserve at the moment, you would be quite happy if fully fit for any of them to come in, and uh, and and fill if there was a, a need for it. So, you know, we're in a really strong position. Maybe the uh, the fullback positions are are less a strong in in terms of a backup, but, you know, fingers crossed with that won't be a problem, but, um, you know, the the center half situation, you know, and that is in some ways the the spine of your team, uh, is, is is brilliant. And, and, you know, as I say, we've, we've got five really good players, one of them out injured obviously at the moment, we've got five who can come in because I quite like, uh, uh, Edmondson as well. I think he's a you know he's he's done, when he's been asked to to do his job more or less he's he's been fine. He's a bit rough around the edges, but he's uh, he's he's performed well um, in Europe and in the league. So yeah, I think I think we're in a strong position there.
0: Now the other player that I wanted to mention, we've, we've he's been brought up once or twice this evening. Is is Alfredo? Um, now, Ian, I'm I'm sort of on the same page as you. I thought start of the game he was he was actually looking really tidy. He was looking hungry and he was he was doing really well, and then. You know, second half things weren't really going his way. He was forced to kind of really come looking for the ball, and and sometimes we saw him sitting as deep as Davis and Camara to come and get on the ball. And then he was doing his usual of drifting out wide, and people getting frustrated, saying he's not going to score if he's not in the middle of the goalposts. Um, but really, Morelos is is of course in the headlines for apparently lifting his hands at Scott Brown. I mean, it's to me it's a tickle on the ear rather than a you know a scud round the heat, but. Um, it, it's something that he didn't need to do, and it's it's descended into silliness again. What are your thoughts on? Uh, we kind of addressed his performance, but on his behaviour in in another old firm game where he doesn't hit the back of the net, and unfortunately, he's he's kind of in the news again for the wrong reason.
2: Well, I mean, I I, I haven't seen I haven't seen any reports. I don't know, so I don't know what uh, what's been said about it. But I mean, when I watched it, I thought, well, you know, because of who he is it's going to get focused on, it's going to get pulled up, and yeah, we could do without it, but to be honest, there was absolutely nothing in it. It's exactly the sort of thing that if uh, if, if it'd been the other way around, if Scott Brown had done it to him, it would be like, oh, he's just been, he's been uh, clever, you know, he's, 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 you know, just trying to wind him up. If the player gets wound up, then he's the he's the idea. And we, we heard that before when he was getting studs raked down the back of his legs and things like that. They were saying, "Oh, well, you know, that's he's got to just learn to live with it." You know, Scott Brown's just been uh, been uh, neat about it, and and you know, too bad. Um, so I don't really have any concerns about that in itself, other than the fact that it's him, and because it's him, for whatever reason, it gets blown out of proportion and it gets highlighted. And there's always the risk with him that a referee is going to react because he knows if he doesn't react, then uh, then it could be all over the papers for the next week and all over the TV for the next week and, uh, and and his the referee's life will be made a misery. So you can see why referees will be keeping a closer eye on him. And that's why my that's my concern when when he does these things um and i thought he i thought he played okay in the first half i thought he was okay in the second half uh, when he stayed on he, he he sort of stopped all the the daftness as well i don't know if uh, someone had a word with him at half time um my my concern at half time yesterday was that he was going to get sent off and i didn't want that to happen so uh, i i wouldn't have been surprised or bothered if he'd been taken off at half time but his performance was okay i thought he he, he you know, he's a he's a problem. Even if he's not scoring goals, he's a problem for for defenders. As long as he keeps ahead head and and keeps the focus, then even if he's not scoring, and you know, to be quite honest, if we won ten 0 yesterday and he didn't score a goal, I couldn't care less. If we win the league by fifty points and uh, and he doesn't score another goal for the rest of the season, I couldn't care less. Um, it's part of the team, and uh, and if he's performing well enough to get picked, then you know. I'm quite happy with that. I don't care whether he scores against Celtic or not, to be perfectly honest. don't want him to miss any, but I don't care if it's, uh, if other people are scoring, then that's, that's fine by me.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite a fair way of summing it up. I mean, uh, uh, like you say, I don't know if there's been mass hysteria in the media. I mean, on social media, of course, there certainly has been because he's raised his hand, but I'm kind of for the same opinion as, as you. If it was anyone else, it would have been clever. You're trying to wind the guy up and you need to learn to play the game. Um, and and to a degree he is. He's learning to play the game because the referee wasn't looking, and he's tried to get a rise out of his out of his opponent. So uh, I I sort of think there's there's bigger things for us all to worry about than Loss tickling Scott Brown's ear. Um. Now, David, we move away from the the sort of individual player performances and and what this game kind of means in the wider context of the season, but. First things first, this is the first time that we've won back to back games in the league at their place since nineteen ninety-five. So it's, it's it's a very, very long time coming. How much significance do you place on achievements and records like that? And and what kind of mental boost do you think that can give Gerard and the squad?
1: I think in terms of, you know, the record that's it's always welcome, you know, to have records like that, especially when they date back so long. Um I think in terms of belief, it gives us, you know, I don't I, I actually don't think since Gerald came in, with had a great deal of fear when we play Celtic, um, and that that's I think that works itself out when you look at the results in the games uh, thus far under Gerald. Um, the biggest barrier, or the biggest sort of thing we've got to get over between now and, and May, or well, I suppose whenever this season finishes, um, is is beating ourselves. Because how many times over the past two years have we got ourselves into really good positions um, and then lost stupid games uh, against teams that we really should be beaten? So we're probably the biggest stumbling block to our own success. And so far this season, you know, we look we look comfortable in most games, uh, you know, give or take. I think you know, the Livingston game was one just to write off the Hibs game we draw points, but we played well. We, you know, have a decent run of fixtures now. Um, they have a few more trickier games coming up. Um, we have the opportunity before Christmas to, to build up a bit of momentum and maybe maybe a bit more of a lead in terms of points. Um, we've got to now focus on that. And I think, you know, we play like I think, in, is it the first week in December, possibly, away from home? Um, and that was one that I pinpointed when I looked at the fixtures, so I thought, well, you know, that's where our, our season has come unstuck. Two years in a row has been on that plastic pitch at Cameron. Um There was a game when when Jones scored against us, and then there was last season when they scored two goals out of nowhere um, to beat us. So, you know, we've got to ensure that we keep our destiny in our own hands and we, you know, are maintaining a level of performance that, that sees us build up. Um, a few points and, and gets us, you know, any position where we're we comfortable in the league and, and, and that we're not, you know, um dropping meaningless, you know, sorry, not meaningless, needless points. Um and the biggest thing is, you know, yesterday you saw you saw Gerard, you know, talk about we haven't got a first yeah, second gear. Well I didn't say that, but he said we haven't been at our best and we still managed to win. It's important for the players, it's important for us as fans um, to not get too ahead of ourselves at the moment, you know we're allowed to enjoy victories over Celtic as we always have been. But now we we go into a big European game on Thursday night, and then another game against Livingston at home next next Sunday. Um, this is this has worked out quite well for us this time around because the past two seasons when we've played Celtic in the, in the sort of turn of the year and we've won big Games got ourselves, you know, level on points, and then we've gone out away for three weeks and come back, and it's not really worked out this time. We have, you know, so many games coming up over the next month in Europe and at home, uh, that we need to sort of knuckle down now, uh, build on that result yesterday, but just see it as another victory, which it, which it is another victory in our clean sheet. We've, we've got plenty of them so far this season. I think the big thing is getting that consistency and ensuring that we're not dropping stupid points because, you know, we want to win this league this season forget about what they're trying to achieve across the road. We're trying to achieve, you know, our 55th title, first title since um, 2011. First major trophies this season is what we want, you know, for many, many years. Um, I personally don't care about what what they're doing across the road. I think it's all about us and all about us, you know, Battling ourselves and ensuring we're we're keeping a level of consistency to to win trophies again because ultimately the longer this goes on, the more heartache it gives us the supporters. So um, we need to focus on ourselves and ensure that we're not getting carried away with the highs, but also you know when we do drop points like at Hibs, that we're not getting you know so depressed and thinking that we're terrible. You know we've got to find the balance, but also find that consistency, especially in the games. We're expected to win, um, and then anything that we pick up but any wins in all farm games uh, is a bonus on top
2: of that. I mean, I totally agree. With, you know, when you say that we can't get over uh, too over excited about yesterday, equally, don't get too depressed if we drop points because we're going to drop points. You know, that's that's the nature of it. You know, the 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 Livingston game was by far the worst performance of the season. Afterwards, everybody was and you know, you know, going mental about it. And and I thought, well, look, it's not about that game. These games happen. It's how we respond to that game. Um, and if 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 we let it, if the team lets it affect them, then obviously we're in trouble. If they respond in a positive way, they come back and they win the next game. and They win the next game after that, and they put that defeat or draw as it was. It felt like a defeat, but a draw behind us. Then they've learned from last season, you know, or they've learned from past mistakes, and so far so good. You know, I mean, you know, the draw against Hibs, you know, it's, you know, Hibs are third on the table at the moment, or, or wherever they are, or certainly they were at the time. You know, you can, you're allowed to to drop points occasionally. You know, I think we were terrified because, or some people were terrified because Celtics seem to be quite consistent and were winning these games. They'll drop points as well. There's no doubt about that. But you know, we've seen that they're not going to be invincible this season. Um, So it's all about, as David said, it's all about what we do as as a team and how we respond to any setbacks that come along. We might not do as well in Europe this season. That that, you know, that might happen. Shouldn't let that affect what's happening uh, domestically. You know, if we drop points in Europa League, so be it. We just get on with it, and and hopefully that's what. The, the coaching team are going to instill into the players that they have to just be focused on what they're doing and respond and don't get, don't collapse uh, when things aren't going brilliantly.
0: I think uh, almost a catchphrase of this season, Ian has been learning lessons from last time. And actually it's, it's something that's been a hallmark of Gerard's entire time at Rangers has been a learning curve for him. And, and he wants to make sure that he's learning from the mistakes that he made last time. And, uh, you know, I think we've obviously seen areas that he's, he's tried to address that. He's trying to improve the mentality. He's trying to, um, you know, he's looked at improving the defence. He's, he's definitely trying to right the wrongs of, of mistakes he's made previously. And I think that that's probably borne out or evidenced by the reaction after the game at the full time whistle yesterday. You go back nearly 12 months to the, the New Year's game where we beat them at their place last year. And it was Gerard screaming down the camera it was the whole fad the whole players sort of running and celebrating the fans it was party scenes and it was elation now very sort of muted this time, very understated it was handshakes and pats on the back and, and let's get off and get in the in the dressing room. Do you think that that's solely down to the lack of spectator presence in the stadium or do you think that this is a marked? deliberate, right, we are not over-celebrating now, this is three points and this is all it is, let's get back in the changing room and celebrate privately but publicly we're putting on a face that we are, this is a routine win for us and this is not This is not the defining point of our season, this is one game that we need to win amongst a sea of other games that we need to win
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's probably a bit of both to be honest, I think if there had been fans in uh, yesterday the reaction might have well have been different, um, and it's, I suppose it's impossible to say that. But having said that, I think Gerard's comments after the game and his interviews would indicate that he's sort of thought himself right. I'm not going to open myself up to this uh, again. You know, I'm 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 going to keep a level head on this and and pass that on to the players. I don't doubt that they uh, when they get into the changing room they they celebrated, but. Um, they would be quite entitled to, but yeah, I mean, I suppose there are, there is an element of how it's perceived on the outside and uh, and what people how people are looking at it, and uh, you know whether you like it or not, you know, Celtic might well have looked at how that they reacted, the the uh, Rangers management and and players reacted after that game, and they might have said, right, well, we'll show them sort of thing. So if you take anything you can do to. To take away that sort of extra motivation to your opponents, I suppose is a good thing. But I do think if there'd been a, a fans than yesterday, then uh, then it might have been slightly different, slightly slightly more exuberant.
0: I, th- I think you're you're absolutely right. I'm I'm sure there would have been more exuberance, and I still shudder at that word after 2016. Um, but you know, and and we can we can speculate as to the effect that fans, or the lack of fans, had on the game itself you know obviously that is the most difficult place for us to go in, in our league campaign and and not having the Celtic fans there has I, I certainly don't think it's harmed us but I don't think that our players have been too intimidated by it over certainly over the last 12 months um, so it's maybe it's just another one of these curious things that we'll come across in the course of this uh, you know very unusual season is that uh, it it just struck me in right, writing to to bring up the the post match interview it struck me the difference from last year um when he was very understated and he you know he acknowledged it's a big game of course it is um but i i very much like and and respect the way that the club was treating this that yeah this is a this is a, a significant win and it puts us clear at the top of the table um but it was a game that needed to be won and next week we have another game that needs to be won and, and obviously david you've mentioned uh Livingston and Kilmarnock away, which are uh, sorry, Livingston and, and then Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, which is these are the tests that are as important as the old Firm games when it comes to the league table at the end of the season. It's, it's about picking up three points every time, and yeah, it's I think it is in part due to the lack of spectators, but I do think that there has been a lesson learned from over celebrating last season, which gave them some motivation. Um, and obviously, we then went into the winter break, which was where the wheels really came off. But, David, yeah. the reaction again, from certain quarters of the media has been that Rangers have beaten Celtic reserves. Uh, And and Celtic have made a big point of the fact that they had six key players or certainly first-team players missing for the game. Um, Now, first things first, I'm not sure of the last time that those six players would have all started the game together. So I certainly don't know that they're six key players. But it's probably fair to say that this season... Ryan Christie and and James Forrest as well have been two of their best players and, and Edward obviously does have a good record against Rangers but to what extent do you kind of buy into that feeling that this outcome could have been very very different were it not for the impact of of COVID and and Celtic missing those players?
1: I don't know. I mean, I get I get it. And if that does, we've lost you know say three of our key players. I'm not going to try and compare you know any of our guys to their guys, but. I can understand, you know, missing Edward up front and Christie in midfield. I mean, they're they're good players. There's, there's no denying that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, how much? In Chalmers, about four million. The boy, Klamala, that played up front it was at three and a half million. El El uh, he's he's one from Premier League club. The boy, left back AC Milan. Uh, Shane Duffy, two million quid loan or whatever it was. Ayer, who, you know. Was apparently worth about eighty-five million. Um, I think. Mean, and goalie was three and a half million. You know, they, it was an expensive squad they put out. And I think any—I don't know—I think any right-minded Celtic fan um, would see that they had, you know, enough there. I mean, think a light-minded pundit, you know, right-minded pundit, sorry, or journalist would see that, you know, they had a decent side. And I think that is the case. I think the ones that are going to that old reserves thing, make a living out of um, trying to wind people up, which is sad. Uh, and it's not just their fans, I don't think. I think it's, I mean, I, I don't know what the game is there. I'm not going to name them, but I mean, I think everyone will know who you referring to. Uh, seems to be this, like, idea that you've always got to get a reaction because I think it must do something for, you know, your ego or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think anyone in the right mind would, would see that we that we are missing a couple of players, but we were missing, I mean, I think Ian said this either off here or, or on the show, but, you know, we were missing um, Aribo and, and Ruth, who, you know, for me, and I know I'm covering all ground here, but for me, Ruth is vital to the way we play. Um, and I think he offers a lot more at the moment than did, in terms of, you know, his movement and his ability to rotate in the front three. So, you know, we were missing someone who's key to the way we play in our formation. Um, and we're also missing rebo, who on his day is, you know, a fantastic player for us. Um, and we possibly even have started ahead of Barker yesterday in that right midfield role.
2: So, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he definitely would be playing. I yeah,
1: like he, so, like I mean, I think that you could, you could argue all day about that sort of thing. Um, Edward, let's not forget, I believe was England for a move in the summer, as was Christie. So um you can't guarantee that any player's gonna make a difference, you know, in, in a performance where, you know, we were so dominant. And that wasn't about, you know, that wasn't about their attacking players. That was about our, you know, our attacking players in our midfield, causing them problems in all the right areas. So would the Christie or Edward have affected that game yesterday? It's really, really hard to say, but not, there's no guarantees in that. So, like anything in football, you, know, you could make that argument about every single football match. But as I say, I think anyone more, you know right-minded that watched the game, and it, I mean, I have seen a few things on social media from you know Celtic fans who've who've not been of that mind. They, they've blamed, I mean, there's a lot of blame going at their manager and stuff like that. So, that Celtic reserves line. I saw it not long after the final whistle and. Just look at it, ignore it,
2: and move on because I think that's the best way for them. And, like, as, as they say, you know, you, you can only beat what's put in front of you, and you know, we, we did that with uh, lots to spare. So, I, 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 you know, I don't care whether it was Celtic reserves or not, it was the, the Celtic first team that was put out in front of us, and you know, we were asked to beat them, and we beat them, so you know. It doesn't matter. Really. It doesn't matter who the who the individuals were or on the pitch. It, it, it's it's how we responded and how we played, and uh, and that that's the only thing that matters. And that you know, trying to deflect it a wee bit, but, uh, but you know, I think we all know the game that's been played there.
0: I, th- I think that's a that's a really good point, Ian. And actually, I think also when you add up the value that they've spent or the money that they've spent on the players who did play yesterday. With your Ajetes, Clamala, um, obviously Duffy, that they're paying for the boy from Milan that I imagine is on massive wages, the keeper who you know almost looks like he's won a raffle to be there. Um, they have spent a huge amount of money on these players. You know, all of them are, are multi-million pound signings, and, and that is certainly more than we spent on on the players that we put out. And we didn't just beat them. It's you know, as you say, you beat what's put in front of you. We embarrassed what was put in front of us at their own house, you know, and and not for the first time. That's the third game in a row when we've taken them apart. Um, and obviously, one of those was the the Betfred Cup, which was, you know, a, a a travesty that we didn't win that. So it's you can you can make comments about us playing their reserves so or these six players who who would have made all the difference. In, they certainly wouldn't have made all the difference. Not even all six of them are even starters. Um, I don't think Edward would have made a difference yesterday because their problem wasn't putting the ball in the net. It was creating something. It was creating chances. So maybe Christie, maybe Forrest would have made a difference. But they certainly had enough creative players. They certainly had enough high-value players. Um, and we embarrass them because the, our, our players are well-coached and they're well-drilled and they have tactical awareness and they're smart Um so all in all, it was a, a very, very successful day and, and very, very pleasing to see the meltdown that's come from that. Um, listen, gents, that's us tipped over the hour mark. And, and as we suspected, there wasn't really anything else to discuss other than other than the game yesterday. So what we're going to try and do is, is maybe get a wee cheeky preview show for the European game midweek. So please do keep your eye on all of our social media channels for that and over the website at www.jazznet.co.uk. And we will try and get something put together before we head over to Liege on Thursday. Um, The only other thing that I would like to say is is obviously a massive thank you to to Ian and David for giving up their time this evening. Um, Although I can't think of much that they would rather be doing than talking about that Rangers win against Celtic yesterday. As always, the show will be back next Sunday when we will be taking a look over uh, Rangers' return to the Europa League group stages, which is going to be a a fantastic show. So please do tune in for that. That'll be same time, same place, 9.30 next Sunday. Um, and as always, available to download from the Monday morning. Um, The only other thing for me to say is a massive, massive thank you, as always, for tuning in uh, in these very strange times. Please do stay safe. Please do look after yourselves and look after each other, uh, and have a great week.